Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. On a Tuesday evening, it's 6.54 p.m. I went live a couple of minutes early, literally a couple of minutes. I said, Frank, you should go live around 6.50, 6.47 today because we have to get off around 8 o'clock for band practice. And uh, there's just so much to do. Well, you know, as it, as it turns out, all I, could, all I could eke out was a couple extra minutes. Only a couple. And here we are. The extra minutes have already been wasted with this banter. It's October th- uh, 3rd, 2023. And greetings to you all. All of our friends that are watching on QuiteFrankly.tv, which is the hub of all things Quite Frankly. Hello to everybody on Rumble, on Twitch, on DLive, on Rockfin, on YouTube. I will probably just let things rock out on YouTube tonight since it's so short. But um, remember, everybody, any night. Any night could be our last night on YouTube. It's just a long history of strikes that have evaporated or been taken away, but there's just so much striking that has happened there over the last four years, and uh, it could just go. So remember, remember, they pull from everything, they slap you on the wrist for everything, and if we're not here tomorrow night at seven o'clock, don't stop looking. Always put in your phone 7 o'clock, quite frankly. If it's a weeknight, it's quite frankly at 7 o'clock, quite frankly.tv. And uh, check there first, and then you can go out uh, to all the other places and pick a spot that you like being at for uh, the 7 o'clock show. But not to mention, we have some early morning warriors who are tuned in at WHYUFM 89.1, somewhere down there near West Virginia. And, um,. All the best to you guys. Welcome to the Tuesday evening edition. It's just you and I, but we have plenty to do because we're going to be talking a little bit about public perception tonight, but in the way that we finally crack open the big, big story of the NPC phenomenon. It has a lot to do with what we had cooking last night with Mike Williams when we were talking about critical mass and the so-called great awakening that we're hoping for, that we're praying for, that we know that we're a part of. How quickly is it happening? And how much time is left on the game clock for it to be um, to be to our immediate advantage? You know, what we're doing is we're really playing against the historical cycles of civilizational rise and fall, as you know. And as I always said, even though you can trace it back throughout time what has happened to different empires and countries and kingdoms how they rise they fall they become full of themselves they're mismanaged the culture gets out of hand they're subverted in some way from within or from without anyway every dog has its day and then all of a sudden the sun goes out and then it's dark and then eventually dawn however many hundred years later But why do I bring that up right now? Well, because what I always said that we have to see how it all works out is that this is the first time, at least in recorded human history, that we are going through a decline with the kind of uh, uh, technology that we have available to us, namely communication, mass communication technology, okay? Uh, For as, as soon as we had media that was widespread, that was national, that was international, whether it be the papers, whether it be the, the, the wires, um, radio, then the newsreels on, in, uh, in movie theaters, whatever the hell it was. And of course you have the, the dawn of television and everything from there. This is the first time that we have been able to use technology as individuals 
to bypass what the central authorities are trying to throw at us. And that, of course, has given way to so many rebellious ways of, of, of communicating with very little effort, including memes and memetics, which will come up tonight. Um, and the NPC, the rise of the NPC, where, you know, in the age of information, they say ignorance is a choice. Well, is it? Is it? Some people don't know that they have a choice because it is the Wild West and it is, uh, there's a lot going on again around us that this, um, the chaos is, is real and the chaos factor has to be, has to be calculated. So tonight we want to talk a little bit about a, and it's all based on a new blog that was just published on quitefrankly.tv by staff writer John Carroll. We're going to be working off of that in a little bit. But first, we have some breaking news. Well, we have some news, period. I want to thank my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com, and all of our wonderful friends on the affiliates page on QuiteFrankly.tv. Everybody's there. Rob's Qigong classes are there. Um, uh, Jay Gulanello, you can find his links and his information through there. We've got gold. We've got silver. We've got uh, Blue Monster Prep and all of their preparation needs. That's communication. That's water. That's food. That's everything you need. And then there's more. There's good humor. There's good botanical healthy chocolate. Get yourself ready for the holidays. Quite frankly, TV. Also, just buy yourself a subscription. Um, become a sponsor of Quite Frankly over the holidays. Because there's a whole other world that you're not getting. There's the Sunday streams. There's so many other, uh, so many other private uh, stream bonus streams that are going to be launched now that I have a broadcast studio near 100% completion at my house. So there's so much more. There's the book clubs, which last night was the first uh, the first session of the fifth book that we have read this year so far, The Godfather. And Jay Dyer and I had a wonderful time. If you think that this is just a, a shoot 'em up pulp fiction novel, just a bunch of blood, gore, and sex, it's not. I mean, it was. We went deep. We went deep last night. Um, there's a whole lot there philosophically, religiously, there's a whole lot there. So I hope you jump in on it because you will definitely breeze through that book. It is very fun so far. And, uh, we'll be taking care of that, chopping that up all throughout the rest of this month on Monday nights at eight 30. And then I can't wait to announce the books for 2024 because we're going to need some distractions, some healthy distractions in 2024. It's going to be chaos. What kind of chaos? I don't know. We can fill out a bingo card, and at the end of the year, I'm definitely going to be record. We always do predictions at the end of the year, but this year, I'm definitely going to record our predictions. Everybody calling in one night, a couple of those last uh, broadcasts of the year, I'm going to be recording at least 50 predictions from people in the audience of what's going to be, what we're going to be talking about December of 2024, okay, one year later. So I have never recorded that before, and I realized, why the hell aren't I doing that? We should have physical records of all this stuff. Anyhow, um, yes, yeah, a couple of birthdays. I want to say thank you to, here we go. Okay, dear Frankly, maybe you can fulfill a little wish and request. I'm from Germany. I'm the girlfriend of, girlfriend of a huge fan of yours, your show. His name is Steven. He watches every night. And he's infected me with his enthusiasm for your show. He was even on your show live on the phone. And he talked about his Monday walks in Germany as a sign of demonstration during COVID lockdowns. His birthday was the end of September, around the 22nd, 1986. You're younger than me. And he said, I, she said, I would be happy if you would greet and congratulate him as a surprise. Well, uh, 
Stephen or Stefan, I am very, very sorry for my tardiness, but I hope that you have had a wonderful first couple of weeks of being uh, the new age that you are. Well, well, if you're a year younger than me, then you just turned 38. Right? Or 37. Because I turned 39 in April. So happy birthday to you. And you have one hell of a girlfriend there. She really looks out for you. Best regards to all of you guys out there in Germany. Here's one. Hey, Frank, Phil in Florida. I was wondering if you can shout out my wife for her birthday. Her birthday is October 1st. That was Sunday. So if you can shout her out on Monday, well, hey, listen, I'm loving both of you guys down there. I do remember you because Phil said that he was the last year. He shouted out his wife. And I remember saying, well, what's her name? Her name's Ashley. Does everybody remember last year? Phil got in touch with me to wish his wife a happy birthday. And he forgot to even give me her name. Well, he didn't forget this year. Happy birthday, Ashley. Down in Florida with Phil, you guys. Here's another one. Aloha from Hawaii. Frank, could you wish my daughter Leah a happy eighth birthday? Also, please remind her uh, to help take care of her cat's mint chip. Mint chip and spider cat. Wait, 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 wait. Mint chip. Are those two separate cats? She has three cats. Mint chip and spider cat. I thought that she was referencing the show. Mint chip. We love watching the show. You are crushing it, brother. Keep it up. Sean from Hawaii. Well, love to all of you out there. Speaking of Sean, I want everybody to... It's been crazy with uh, the fr- friend of the show, guest, and, I mean, he's he's a brand unto himself. But Sean David Morton has been dancing... Uh, I, I, I mean, he's been his life has been hanging in the balance for the last couple of days at least ICU he's he's on a ventilator he's being taken all the the what's going on in his his world right now is you know he was very sick even in the last couple of times that he was on the show and he 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 worked like hell and he, he just liked being on but he's in some serious situation right now and I hope everybody can keep him in your thoughts Sean David Morton really good guy um, he's been really good to me and to this show been a very gracious guest and um, I hope he's all well. So we'll keep uh, an ear out for what's going on with Sean. Uh, is everybody ready for their emergency alert system Y2K disaster tomorrow? I hear everybody's turning off their devices between 2 and 4 p.m. as if the message is not going to be waiting for you when you turn it back on. Um, but we will see how many people get turned into zombies tomorrow between 2 and, 2 and 4, which is usually around a witching hour. It's usually like the witching hour. That's when everybody starts getting uh, bottomed out and they, they have no, no more uh, energy because they're dehydrated. They haven't eaten in a while. This could be a different kind of thing here, though. Um, and then there's this. Good news. Maybe, <laughs> good news. The new Antichrist has dropped. Oh, whoops. Hold on. Let me get up on the screen here. Here you go. This is from the mirror. A church... Uh, in AI takeover as Sermon, Church and AI allowed AI to take over a sermon. I don't know where this was. This was. It was a Methodist church in North Austin, Texas. The word of God has now been officially taken over by AI as proved by this robot-generated sermon, which included humans worshiping. You can now forget the stereotype that religion is backwards as this Methodist church in Texas now uses artificial intelligence to conduct a service with ChatGPT. 
Leo Zagami must screech when he sees things like this. If this if this isn't Cyber Satan, I don't know what is. Um, and they have down here, let's see here. Uh, using AI, Pastor Jay Cooper recorded the service while letting the artificial intelligence generator conduct the service with AI being able to create prayers, a sermon, and an original song based on the sermon itself. So, uh, but listen to the, the actual, an excerpt. Here's the opening sermon as pr prompted by Jay from the AI as follows. Uh, let us begin our worship today with a call to worship. Here's the AI sermon. Come all who are weary, come all who are heavy laden. For this, in this place we find rest for our souls. Come, people of all backgrounds and all walks of life. For here we celebrate the diversity of God's creation. Boy, it's already very United Nations approved messaging, no doubt. Come, seekers of justice and peace. For together we strive to make the world a better place. Come, followers of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. For in his presence we find purpose and meaning. This is, message has been brought to you by the United Nations. Wow. So that happened in Texas. All right. Then we have Donald Trump who's been gagged by a judge in New York who, by the looks of him, knows uh, everything there is to know about gags. Ball gags. Judge issues gag order in Trump fraud trial as ex-president posts about law clerk. So Trump, you know what? I got to give him credit. He is just lashing out. He's just angry and in a righteous anger too and good for him. And of course, you know, he knows that there's consequences for everything. So let him have, have at it. This is from CNBC. Judge Arthur Engoron. You got to really look at this guy. You want to talk about physiognomy? issued a gag order on making public remarks about his staff members uh, after former President Donald Trump blasted the judge, his top law clerk, and the New York Attorney General Letitia James, who is the worst actress there is. She should, so, somebody should give her the Darth Vader cape as she walks around. She is such a bad actress. They need to give her some kind of an upgrade in her appearance, at least, because you can tell when she opens her mouth there is nothing intelligent about her. Uh... On the second day of business fraud trial against Trump and his company, James accuses Trump, uh, two of his adult sons, the Trump Organization and top executives, of uh, overvaluing their real estate property, even though the judge is undervaluing the real estate property. And we're talking about, as many people have put out there, we're talking about loans that had been uh, already vetted by all the lending institutions. They've already been paid back with interest and there's no injured party. So it's all the same thing. Uh, but, you know, you spend enough time memorizing the details of this particular case, and just when you get it all down and you realize it's all bullshit and it's all just, you know, being pushed by the same old nonsensical partisan war that's going on right now, uh, there'll be something else that you have to memorize. And then your brain is literally being, f I mean, there, there's so many other ways that you can spend your time uh, reading other things. It's sad. It's sad because, of course, the NPCs that you're up against, they're, they, they're, they're, they're hungry for it because they're in. They have, they have thrown down. The ante is on the table. They, they lead us, Letitia. Lead us, Letitia. So he's been gagged for going after, um, he called, um, 
He called the clerk Schumer's girlfriend, accused her of running his case against him and all that. It's great. I like it. He's got balls. He's got balls. I don't, if I was in his position, I don't know. Uh, I would be a lot more reserved. Uh, not because I would be wondering. I'd, I'd be scared about my guilt being exposed. But just because these are people who are obviously willing to do anything to end your life. To end your life. Good for him. He's got balls. You know who else has balls? Matt Gates. This happened today. Kevin McCarthy has been removed as House Speaker. Now, prior to today, I knew that this was the first time this has ever happened. So when I say that Kevin McCarthy made history in the House, uh, he certainly did. Uh, I know that this was the first time that this ever happened. I didn't know that it was attempted once before. Uh, I got that. I heard that it was attempted once in like 1910 or something like that, and it obviously didn't work. But Kevin McCarthy is gone. Here's a little bit from post-millennial. Members of the House of Representatives voted on Tuesday to oust Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The final tally showed 216 in favor of the motion to vacate, while 210 were opposed. Until then, uh, let's see, uh, though McCarthy is no longer third in line to the the presidency, he will retain his seat. The House will now have to decide who, if anyone, has enough votes to take over a speaker. Until then, Representative Patrick McHenry will act as speaker pro tempore. Earlier Tuesday, Matt Gates stood and repeated his motion to vacate. Representative Tom Cole rose to offer a table to table that motion. The 15-minute vote saw 208 Republicans vote in favor of McCarthy's leadership and 11 against. All Democrats were in favor of vacating. Following a 60-minute back and forth between those for and against vacating McCarthy's position, the final vote was taken. Gates was able to initiate proceedings on his own thanks to the inclusion of the Jeffersonian motion and the deal made when McCarthy accepted the speakership in January. Under the agreement, a single person was permitted to introduce a motion to remove McCarthy if he goes back on his word or policy agenda. Now, there's a lot of people who have... Uh, they've made either vague statements about how they were lied to consistently by Kevin McCarthy, but the rest of us, I mean, we're seeing the debt limits. We're seeing endless, endless billions, tens of billions of dollars going to Ukraine. We're seeing, I mean, even though we, we really don't, obviously from a, a standpoint back over here, just observing all this stuff, you don't, we don't really expect too much coming out of it, but there's not even, not no subpoenas. No, nothing has even been attempted. Nothing. It's just nothing. So I think it's pretty great. I mean, what, what does he do next? I mean, what does he do next? I don't know. What does Matt Gates do next? What do they all do? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see um, from a very dispassionate standpoint. be interesting to see. In the meantime, at least he wrecked the career of a company man. Forever, uh, I mean, this is this has been amazing, for how they dragged him through the mud to even be uh, grab the speakership, and now this, oh, sign me up for some humiliation with these freaks. I hate them, and quite frankly, uh, it held a mirror up to everyone else who did not vote alongside of Matt Gates. Two hundred Republicans. Now, I know that there are other there are people in there. You say, oh well, this person's of good standing, and they voted for him because of this and that. Well, you know what? We we don't need milk toast. People who are not afraid to rock the boat anymore. Okay, people who didn't want to rock the boat should go and drown with the boat, and I hope they lose their jobs too next year. I really don't care about anybody. I don't care about anybody. So I like that a company man at least had his uh, career wrecked for everybody. 
the only people who will, let's see, the only people who voted for this is Andy Biggs, Tim Burchett, Ken Buck, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Bob Good, Nancy Mace, and Representative Rosendale. 200 plus Republicans wanted to let Speaker McCarthy continue. So that's something. Now, I saw people like clandestine, war clandestine, ask the question. Maybe it's rhetorical. Maybe it's just he's, I mean, everybody's just kind of basking in the, the, the wonder of all this stuff. And he said this, what are the Democrats doing? McCarthy is one of the best options they could hope for as GOP speaker. He's an establishment rat that supports funding Ukraine. Whoever the GOP pick is next is not going to be as friendly to them, and it might be Trump. It doesn't make sense. I don't know if Donald Trump is going to be made Speaker of the House. That would be incredible. <laughs> that would be incredible. From a television standpoint, sign me up for all of that. I, I, I would love that would be so fun. But but this makes perfect sense for me. It makes perfect sense for me because these people, especially Democrats, they feed off of dysfunction. That's really what this is about. Sure, they can get their demands met with somebody somebody like McCarthy. As speaker, and they were getting their demands met. The money did not stop. It's very easy to blackmail them, very easy to, to guilt them, and all that stuff. But, you know, the optics of chaos is worth so much more for them. You know, uh, if they have an op, they have an opportunity to take out a Republican, a Republican speaker of the House, especially with how long it took them to, to get together another one. They, they, all this, they believe, is embarrassing. Now they can go on all of their shows on MSNBC and CNN and CNN and what, uh, NBC and all these other shows, um, and and they can talk about how the Republican Party is uh, is the civil war within the Republican Party and the chaos and blah blah blah. They love this stuff. They love this stuff. They know that the that the money is not going to actually stop flowing. Hopefully, somebody that stops. I want to see the whole damn thing shut down. That'd be great. Anyway, what does it all mean? Well, um, tonight's show is going to be a lot about public perception. Obviously, there'll be other little pockets of time that for the next couple of days, we'll be able to take some calls on this and field some some opinions and some, some, some thoughts. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of development around this over the next few days. So this is only the beginning of that subject. Anywho... We don't have as much time as we usually do, so let's just get this one kicked off. And when we come back, we're jumping right into the deep end of the pool. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And if you're watching this live or on demand, do me a favor. Hit the share button and send it anywhere that you hang out on the Internet. And invite your friends, your family, personally. This is the way that we have to grow, and we have been growing for years. Little by little, it's a family affair. Bring your friends along for the ride. And we are able to sidestep the algorithms. Thank you, guys and gals. We will be right back. Don't go nowhere. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. 
Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! so much craziness out there wherever you look there's so much craziness out there but this song reminds me of just kind of skipping down the sidewalk and whistling a happy tune with some fallen leaves around your feet swirling little dust devils of leaves and Kevin McCarthy was embarrassed in front of the whole nation that's great I, I love being alive to see history made Good for every, good for all of us today. No, it's not. It's a black eye in a nation. You're a square. You're a square. You're not invited to my birthday party. Okay, so... Oh, here's a little something from Rich Barris. I thought this was nice to throw in there before we really get started because it gives us, uh, gives us some time to, to set the table for the NPC discussion. This is very, very related. Uh, Rich Barris says, many people trash Matt Gates to avoid discussing the real cause of dysfunction. Republicans have a representation problem, i.e. they have no representation. They lie to get elected and ostracize anyone trying to keep promises. No political party can survive not representing their voters. Very well said, Rich. He continues. Republican leadership and the vast majority of the elected conference in both chambers lie to get elected, then cave in the face of opposition from media and Democrats while selling out their voters to donors and rent seekers. It's not a sustainable political environment. All these years polling party leadership, it has always been the case that Democrats like their leaders and have favorable opinions of them, while Republicans hate their leaders. Why? Irrationality? No, it's rational to loathe someone who constantly lies and betrays you. And for your information, I'm simply stating the facts, not arguing for or against the motion. The obvious remedy is for voters to elect people who represent them, and they try, scoring massive primary victories in 2022. Then McCarthy and McConnell sabotage them for this reason. So now we're here. Thanks. Thank you, Rich. Tis good. It is good to have you out there. And again, perception. That's where we're at. There's so much more that is uh, that swirls around this, and I'm, I'm, I want to lay it all on the table because I want you guys and gals to call in with whatever time that we have left. Uh, last night we spoke with Mike Williams, the Sage of Quay, and we did a lot of discussing outside of some follow-up questions to the Beatles conspiracy, but we did a lot of discussing the bigger picture when it comes to social engineering. And, um, you know, the engineering, especially of opinion, the skewing of perception of even reality itself. And when it comes down to it, the biggest question is whether or not we can awaken from this slumber in large enough numbers with time left on the clock to push back in enlightened and efficient ways. And if so, what is the critical mass that needs to be reached in order for that 
that to happen? What's the critical mass? What is the subset of the population that needs to be reached? How much of society do we need along with us to be awakened, to be activated, and to be proactive? And what do we do about an army of unthinking NPCs who are in our midst? And I'm not just talking about Democrats. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about NPCs. This is a little bit more widespread than you think. So it's story time. This has just been published on quitefrankly.tv on the blog section by staff writer John Carroll. The, The title is, I think, therefore I am not an NPC. All right, so let's just jump right into it. Every once in a blood moon, let me get off the screen there. Every once in a blood moon, the far right egregore sires a meme of exceptional potency, a meme that is extra spicy, a meme that is so pure, rings so true, and is so unfathomably dank that it simply cannot be ignored. The NPC meme is in a league of its own and will undoubtedly stand the test of time. NPC for... It stands for non-playable character. It's a video game reference that is used as a metaphor to describe the legions of people who don't seem to hold authentic opinions. The reference was first used in a 4chan post back in 2016. Here's what they said. I have a theory that there are only a fixed quantity of souls on the planet and that, that they cycle continuously through reincarnation. However, since the human growth rate is so severe, the soulless, extra-walking flesh piles around us are NPCs, our ultimate normal fags, who autonomously follow groupthink and social trends in order to appear convincingly human. I call these people NPCs because when you talk to them, they say the same shit every time. Trump is Hitler. Just be yourself. Sports ball. The new Adele song, OMG. If you get in a discussion with them, it's always the same buzzwords and hackneyed arguments. They're the kind of people who make a show of discomfort when you break the status quo, like uh, by breaking the normie barrier, uh, to invoke a real discussion. It's like in a video when you accidentally talk to somebody twice and they give you the exact lines work, uh, the word for word once more. So in a video game. So you go up to somebody who's not really a, a real uh, well, even even one of those uh, side characters too. You walk up to them. They are generated. They're actually programmed in. And they only have a set number of things you can talk to them about. Sometimes they'll give you a side quest. But once that's done... You only get a couple of comments about the the weather. And then if you crowd their space, they threaten to fight you or something like that. Then you give them 15 minutes, 15 seconds. They calm down. They walk away. And it's like it never happened again. It's really like that. There's something going on with people out there. It's a lot more widespread. I don't know if it is just the introduction of certain substances in the, in the, uh, in the world right now. Maybe it is. Maybe that has, uh, that has enhanced things a little bit more. Obviously, there's many layers of trauma that is media-induced and uh, shock trauma from lockdowns and just fear programming. It's all trauma-based mind control in one way or another. But this is where the NPC meme really started off. And then it started taking off. Let's go back into the blog. The idea soon manifested into artistic form and became a meme. The visage of Wojak a character known for his propensity to feel deeply, was transformed to convey a dull, robotic persona. The meme was an instant classic, and it's easy to understand why. It truly is a meme worth a thousand words. 
It was all fun and games until early October 2018 when NPC memes started appearing in large numbers on Twitter uh, and precipitated one of the worst panics in the media since Pizzagate. They were used to ruthlessly mock uh, they were used to ruthlessly mock progressive users, prompting some of them uh, to go ballistic. They didn't like it that these these memes were being used to to mock progs. A forum post, uh, a post from a left-wing blog, Kotaku, decried the memes as dehumanizing, which only exacerbated the situation by spawning hundreds of new NPC accounts. At that point, the smell of blood was in the water, and an army of Russian bots, they said, began storming the digital Falda Gap. There was seemingly nothing the left could do to fight back. The meme magic was just too strong. Many of the prominent leftists on Twitter were in an uproar and demanded that the company do something to stop the mimetic onslaught. A few NPC accounts tweeted midterm election jokes in the vein of Douglas Mackey, which Twitter HQ used as justification for shutting down the whole thing. Over 1,500 NPC accounts were banned, but the story did not end there. This particular class of memes was considered so dangerous that the New York Times actually ran a piece condemning their use and even admitted the danger of potentially triggering the Streisand effect. They wouldn't have gambled like that if they didn't think it was worth the risk, and it was clear this was something that needed to be whitewashed. Further research into the subject reveals why. The idea conveyed by the memes was substantiated by the Milgram experiments, and that's how we all know about the Milgram experiments. In 1963, Stanley Milgram created an experiment to see if participants would follow orders even when the requested behavior went against their moral beliefs or good judgment. A researcher asked a participant to administer electric shocks to a test subject when he answered questions incorrectly. The test subject is an actor who makes noises of pain when he receives the shocks. The participant is made to believe that each shock is stronger than the last one. Well, well, he found that 80% of the population do not have the psychological or moral resources to defy an authority's order, no matter how illegitimate the order is. Therefore, only 20% have critical thinking capacity. This explains quite a lot. We continue. The NPC meme took the fake news slur to a new level because it created a visual representation of the brainwashing process. The media's modus operandi is to first captivate, then program the vulnerable 80% using the world's most cutting-edge psychological techniques. Here's an example of how it works, and this is a great one. This is, this is a, it, now I, I talked to John Carroll about this next uh, excerpt from, from 4chan in 2016, and I was so glad that this got, it, this got added in because I haven't found a way to get it into a show. And it was a wonderful little section here on that used the John Oliver show. John Oliver show as an example of how people are literally programmed through this, this, uh, this very distinct, you can say, well, it's just a, it's, it's comedic timing. It's a, it's a formula they have for comedy writing. No, it's not. Because it, it's not funny. It's not funny at all. So I love this. Now, here's a, here's a great example of how the media works. Using John Oliver as an example. Uh, Anon says, The subject of John Oliver came up when a colleague, a fellow psychologist, and I were discussing politics a few months ago. Although we were both in agreement regarding the general shitlib inanity of the HBO show, my friend was surprised when I explained that the real insidiousness of the show is its unmistakably hypnotic structure and pacing. I ended up pulling up an episode or two off of YouTube to show her what I meant. 
All the segments I've ever seen from his show follow the same repetitive format. You present some argumentation and then facts for about 10 seconds. Then quickly follow these up with a snarky quip, which themselves overwhelmingly take the form of complete non sequitur or otherwise absurd metaphor, before any rational processing of the preceding argument can even take place in the mind of the viewer. Further telling is that the only beats or mental pauses in the show's pacing exist solely to highlight the approving laughter or the applause of the studio audience. Repeat this basic formula without variation 20 to 40 times in a row and you have one of the 12 to 20 minute segments that form the backbone of John Oliver's show and many others, by the way. He goes on to say, the end effect is obviously not to deliver information but rather to literally teach the viewers on a subconscious level to mentally associate derisive laughter with any person or opinion that is at odds with the narrative's take on a chosen issue. And it accomplishes this by maintaining a strict adherence to a roughly 20-second cycle in which a stimulus is presented and a response is cued. This is the sense in which the show is fundamentally hypnotic in effect, even more so than its precursors in the genre, The Daily Show, Colbert, Colbert etc. To my mind, Oliver's show is representative of the media's increasing mastery of the methodologies of mass conditioning. In fact, it is almost such a perfect technical uh, accomplishment that I would almost have to admire it on a technical grounds, which moreover is in the hands of the entirely wrong people. And then there's the end result. Attempting to reason would demoralize people. This is Yuri Bezmenov. You all know him. Here's a quote. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their minds even if you expose them to authentic information. Even if you prove that white is white and black is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. And then you have the Mr. Smith effect. In the movie The Matrix, Mr. Smith has the ability to enter any body at any time, of course, and uh, this often occurs when the Matrix is threatened by Neo. The scenario is a reflection of our real world. For example, you're down at the coffee shop having a conversation with a friend and everything is fine until you mention something like 9-11 was an inside job. Now watch what happens. Up pops Mr. Smith to replace the person you were just having a conversation with to attack you because all truths threaten the Matrix. The Matrix programmed into, the most, into most people in their youth because of this Mr. Smith programming, these people become guardians of the Matrix. I always said, you know, you can have a perfectly, uh, perfectly balanced uh, conversation with somebody, with a person you've known your entire life, and then once you get to a certain line and that threshold is uh, crossed, there is a switch that is flipped, and they are no longer in the room with you. I didn't know it's called the Mr. Smith effect, but it makes sense. Either works. But in this context, the term demoralization, as people need to remember, and I brought this up on the show before too, it does not mean to discourage, to demoralize, like morale has been killed, but it, it rather it's to remove people's morals in order to induce psychosis or a total loss of contact with reality. If 80% of the population is demoralized and cannot question authority, they will believe that authority, even when it lies to them, and will obey its commands, even when doing so is against their own self-interest. 
And it just so happens that the Portland Press Herald and many others have reported in the last couple of years, in the U.S., 80% of adults are vaccinated against COVID-19 as parents await CDC approval for kids. That's a portion of the uh, the last 20% who didn't have a choice in it, but the, uh, the arm twisting from the other 80 played a direct result in that. We're almost done here. The elites who understand this employ a strategy known as the Hegelian dialectic to force drastic changes into society. Specifically, they manufacture crises that are designed to incite trauma and fear in targeted populations. Once paralyzed, those populations are then easily persuaded to accept their pre-planned solutions. This is the name of the game. The NPC phenomenon corroborates the, the tipping point theory discussed in the fourth turning. This is why I wanted to bring this up on the night after Mike Williams was on the show, because we were talking about critical mass, the hundredth monkey, and how what kind of um, what kind of mindset, what kind of population you have to be able to target in order for victory to become an eventuality for you. It's posits, the tipping point theory posits that once 10% of society holds an unshakable belief, that belief will eventually be adopted by all of society. The main takeaway is that trying to red pill NPCs is a waste of time because they will always follow authority no matter who that authority is. There is, however, a glimmer of hope among the sea of gray automatons. The current authority comprises less than 1% of society, but the segment of society capable of challenging the authority is much larger. Here's an excerpt from chapter two of Colin Wilson's The Occult, A History, The Dark Side of the Moon. In the autumn of 1969, I discussed questions of the occult with the poet Robert Graves at his home in Majorca. Graves immediately uh, made a remark that startled me. He said, occult powers are not so rare. One person in every 20 possesses them in some form. What interested me so much was the exact figure, 5%. This is all the figure for the dominant minority among human beings. This is also the figure for the dominant minority among human beings, 5%. In the early years of this century, Bernard Shaw asked the explorer, Henry Stanley, how many of his men could take over leadership if the part, uh, of the party if he, Stanley, were ill. One in 20, said Stanley. That is the figure, is that figure exact or approximate, Bernard Shaw asked. Stanley replied, it's exact. One in 20, 5%. The matter of the dominant 5% was rediscovered during the Korean War by the Chinese. Wishing to economize on manpower, they decided to divide their American prisoners into two groups, the enterprising ones and the passive ones. They soon discovered that the enterprising soldiers were exactly 1 in 20, 5%. When this dominant 5% was removed from the rest of the group, the others could be left with almost no guard at all. They would not be activated. So in short, the dilemma that we have, that we 5% face, is how to handle this truth. Because NPCs have a huge influence on our lives. They are allowed to vote in elections. They serve as doctors, police officers, and members of a jury. Their way of life depends on the existence of megacorporations and tyrannical governments, so they instinctively defend the status quo. In times of crisis, their one-track minds yearn only for a return to normal. The question is, how can the 5% either outmaneuver the masses or hijack their reins and supplant the current authority? There must be a way, otherwise they wouldn't be so obsessed with us. That's the question I have for you, that we all have for you. How do you outmaneuver the masses, the 5%? How do we inch the needle? 
um, it's a it's a big undertaking, and that's just the way. And, and yeah, they are obsessed with us. This just came around today. This is from Randoland.us. It's a it's um, I think it's a little bit of legislation or just some kind of appropriated funds that was made public in 2022. Listen to this. Little things like this are all over the place. Uh, National Science Foundation grant, 2022, $214,000, actually 215000 to the University of Georgia Research Foundation. Collaborative research, this is what it's, it's for. Understanding how visual features of misinformation influence credibility perceptions. Today's misinformation posts have increasingly been presented in visual formats, such as images, memes, and videos. Compared to text, visuals are processed faster, they are remembered better and are more likely to be shared on social media. As technology makes image and video manipulation accessible to the masses, visual misinformation can be a significant threat to national security, social cohesion, and public health. Yet we need to know more about how specific visual features such as color, face presence may influence how people evaluate credibility of, of visual posts. Now you can say, well, wouldn't this just be, you know, it's good to understand these things. They understand how it all works. They understand how we are affected by this. They understand already. This is about fighting back and suppressing memes. Any little bit of communication that we are able to lob over to each other in this tightly controlled, but still very wild media landscape, this new media landscape, which I believe still is the X factor in our generation, in the next couple of generations going forward, the X factor and seeing just how different history can be this time around. So there is a lot of access on this, a lot of accentuation, accentuation on this too. So um, I want to hear what you guys and gals have to say. We're going to go on a really quick break. When we come back, the last 20 minutes is yours. I got this link out across all of the, uh, the quite frankly, spaces earlier on today just so that if you had any thoughts, you would have them prepared for tonight. I'd love to hear how this thing right here this article affected you tonight i don't care what the hell comes up for you let's hear what it is 914-200-0269 we will be right back 914-200-0269 stay right there pick up your phones and start dialing it's only going to get weirder the level of contradiction is going to rise excruciatingly even beyond the excruciating present levels of contradiction. <laughs> so uh, I think it's just going to get weirder and weirder and weirder. And finally, it's going to be so weird that people are going to have to talk about how weird it is. And at that point, novelty theory can come out of the woods uh, because eventually people are going to say, what the hell is going on? It's just too nuts. It's not enough to say it's nuts. You have to explain why it's so nuts. How many populations? I, prob I probably own more than 50 firearms. Many of them have increased in value two, three, or even four times. I sleep very comfortably outside Austin, okay. Texas, knowing Alex. that I can defend my family. Okay, Alex Jones. Infowars.com. This is the man who wants to deport me from the country for wanting to get no, rid no. of No, no. It's, it's, it's to point out you're a foreigner, a redcoat, here telling us what to do. Whatever. Go back to where they took the guns if you don't like it. The communist... 
Had a friend, you looking for a message board? Go to quitefrankly.tv and enter the forum. Engage with official show topic threads or start your own thread. Get signed up. It's that easy. And it's not Reddit, so don't sweat it. For the forum and then so much more, it's quitefrankly.tv. Yeehaw. Freshmaker. All right. 914-200-0269. It's going to be a nice, short, snappy show tonight, but I think that we have plenty on the table here to cut up. How did this, how did this affect you? Especially since everything that we deal with right now is perception-based. I mean, even what happened today with uh, with McCarthy. What comes of it? How are how is everybody? You know, it's not going to be uni- Nothing is ever going to be universally um, seen in one way. Uh, and there's probably there's so many unenlightened opinions out there of what's going on and what it all means and how serious the work of Congress is, how it how serious it has been. Would be interesting to hear what you have to say. Uh, first one up is... Oh, that just dropped, dropped off. Okay, 408, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank, how's it going? Oh, it's going. Who's this? My name is Dominic, and I have a brief question tonight. It's sort of off topic. I hope that's okay. Go ahead, real quick. So you're from New York, is that right? Frank? Uh-huh. I'm curious, are you a New York hardcore kid? Did you grow up with, like, Madball and All Out War and stuff like that? Oh, we were listening to them. Uh, we were listening to them, but I wasn't going. I mean, we, we got to play, my uh, as far as being um, in the scene at the time, weren't really involved in the scene. But when we started playing in our own, you know, we were, we were considered, like, hardcore, heavy metal. Um, our when the band that we put together in high school, we got to play a, an entire weekend with bands like Biohazard and Most Precious Blood and stuff like that. So we had a little bit of a a little bit of a taste of that that uh, you know old school hardcore scene, but it wasn't really something that we were very enmeshed in. For sure, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, I heard you play the Misfits a few times, few times, and I was always curious if you were a hardcore kid. But I appreciate you answering my question and the last quick thing i wanted to ask was with october now here are you planning on getting more paranormal guests on the show oh yeah i mean listen on, on thursday night we have a we have uh what's her name kim ross we have a psychic medium coming on th- uh thursday night i have a couple other really amazing things going on greg carlwood will be coming back to do something spooky halloween night we've got dr albert taylor coming on to talk about a little more of his paranormal investigations not just a follow-up on his uh out-of-body experiences and stuff like that so uh we, we got a lot of that cooking and even the night and thank you so much for the call dom uh even the week next week i'm going to be gone from the 11th to the 15th so wednesday thursday friday won't be on air, but I'm going to be programming meticulously with Abe and Cody on QuiteFrankly.tv. There's going to be a whole bunch of wonderful um, themes, Halloween, Halloween creepy themes on the uh, on the network on QuiteFrankly.tv, especially Friday the 13th. 
And but yeah, I'm taking care of you. Don't worry. And you know that even when we push past the holidays, most of the winter, I love doing creepy paranormal, um, you know, kind of journeys. It's still that's the season. All right, let's go. Uh, Five two zero. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank, how's it going? This is Airborne 99. Hello, what's going on, Airborne? How you been? Go ahead. Hey, good. Hey, I hey, uh, wanted to put you on uh, Bright Inside. I, I think you've talked about him. He kind of discovered Atlantis, but last Friday he was on a live stream, and um, he mentioned, among other things, that um, he did talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, that the, that the sun being one of the horses, but anyway, um, that the electromagnetic pole shift is making people, you know, act weird. And now kind of driving around, being around, I take that into account. I'm kind of very, very kind and polite. Thanks. Thanks for the show, bro. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things, man. You know, my, my mother told me the other day, thank you for the call. Um, I, that, that ties into this here, too, because it's one of those questions about what could be contributing to the overall environment, um, aside from the fact that people are just woefully misinformed I know misinformation is the big thing these days. I don't care about w- what kind of information is out there. You see, uh, uh, misinformation coming from a central authority, propaganda, that benefits the central authority is something that uh, should be looked at with dis- disdain and distrust. I don't care that there's bad information out there. But when you have a uh, when you have all this... Uh, this the central authority that is making sure that people can only get certain types of information that's an issue and shielding those who give out only the information that they approve of that's an issue so that's a factor as far as environmental issues i know there's plenty of people out there we can talk about what we're putting in our bodies what the earth is being sprayed with uh what is going on with the earth itself what is the health of the earth itself the patterns going on i know ben from uh from uh, suspicious observers I mean, we've been, I mean, as far as uh, coronal mass ejections and the, the the timing of another pole flip, that is always on the table with them. So, hey, you know, the other night again with, with Mike Williams, I was talking about the fact that a full moon has an effect on people on the planet. No doubt about it, people act crazier when a full moon is out there. There's a lot more chance of getting in trouble when the moon is full. Historically, it's just been the the, the case. So... We are very sensitive, very sensitive species. And I think our sensitivity, our environmental sensitivity, has been kind of downplayed in many ways because uh, that sensitivity, if harnessed, could be very powerful, don't you think? All right, let's take a call. Albert, what's going on? Hey, great drop on Terrence McKenna right after that. That was so awesome, dude. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. So... Yeah, you 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 said it. What what is it? What is it going to take? Well, I I wanted to say some, something real quick. Is you know, look at what they've the how they've ran it in France and in other countries. They've like literally inundated the countries with foreign nationals. I mean, England is destroyed right now. France. And they're doing it here now. And like you said, uh, I don't know if it was last night or the night before about, you know, Biden sending down the army to prevent the people from Texas from defending their border. And nobody's done anything about it. And it's kind of like 
that's where we're at right now as it occurs to me. And the thing is, is they're not doing anything about it. Our generals are compromised. You've got grays or NPCs in the Army right now. They're doing what they're told, and they're going to keep doing it. And the thing is, is to, you know, when you look at this from the big, big picture, you've got the WEF, you've got all these organizations, you know, whatever, these alphabet organizations just feeding people in the United States and slowly overwhelming them. And the thing is, is it's working, okay? And the thing is, is you you ask the question, what do you think it's going to take? I'll tell you what I think it's going to take. I think it's going to take something from another country when it, when and if another country actually stands up. I think that the people in America need a kick in the ass because it's just, and it kind of reminds me a long time ago, I was when John B. Wells first went, you know, solo before I figured his shit out. He did have a lieutenant on there because he does have good people on. Um, he had a lieutenant or somebody from the army and he was talking about when he was in Afghanistan or somewhere, he was building his forces on top of a, you know, on a ridge overlooking some village or whatnot. And, uh, you know, he'd go up there and look at the village and the village people down there knew something was going on. They could see it. It was right on their doorstep, but they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. And he said they knew it was coming, and they didn't do anything. And that's what I think is happening right now in the United States. It's everybody's waiting for somebody to do something, and nobody's doing it. And the thing is, is we don't have leadership. Um, I know everybody's hoping Trump will get in there as it occurs to me. And I'm not saying that this is correct, but I'm just saying as it occurs to me, it's the tail wagging the dog. And I think that, you know, they're running the game from both sides and keeping, uh, you know, keeping everybody's hopes up with Trump. And uh, I, I think he's in on the gig. I know a lot of people don't. And um that's just where I'm at. But the, the whole thing is, is I think, like I said, as it occurs to me, what mm-hmm. needs to happen is when Americans, the 5% that you're talking about, actually see action from another country because everybody literally is submitting. Say they're not. Right. No, 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 no. I, I, I get what you're saying. So your, your main, con- and I thank you for the call. I, I only have a little bit more. I want to get a couple more people on. Oh, so, gotcha. so Thanks what you're, so, so, so your, your main takeaway is that our situation, as far as what's going to have to happen is we are in a position now where we are going to have to take a very strong and pronounced cue from somewhere else because we are just not the tip of the spear anymore. We are that, 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 that fire, that we were known for is just, um, it's not there. I mean, maybe it's smoldering beneath the surface, but something else has to happen to, uh, to awaken it, to, to, uh, to puncture a vent. Who knows? But point taken. Point taken, because I think a lot of people have wondered where, where the fight is in this country. And I'm not talking about physical fights either. Just being able to say no. I mean, no. That's it. Uh, let's take a call. Is this John Paul Rice? 
Hey, Frank, it is. What's how going on, John? Well, welcome. Listen, uh, we, we we got a few minutes left, but I'd love to hear what, what how this is hitting you tonight because, I mean, this is a... This is your this is in your wheelhouse. This kind of thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, we're talking about the reality of the world, our existence, and what does it mean, and how to define it in a world of knowledge that is infinite, in a material world, yet we're infinite beings of light and creation. We're talking about <clears throat> NPCs and the culture and counterculture and all of this is a, a game. It's a, it's like a deep game. Um, I've mentioned Westworld season one before as a prerequisite for everyone to watch so that they can understand the time that they're living through in relation to self and other. And this is the end of duality as we know it, the dualistic system of our politics, our culture, our society, our sexual definitions, our spiritual definitions are all coming undone and disintegrating and dissolving and decentralizing. And we're trying to go from a, what I would call a flat plane of existence in two-dimensional thought constructs of true or false, multiple choice to a quantum level of understanding and what we're talking about is the assault on the spiritual being that you were born as into this world that you've been made to forget from your childhood to now in a world of unconscious men who are seeking power to rule you and decide for you what they think is best in relation to their own ignorance, their own scarcity, and their own fears, their deepest fears. And the question becomes, how can you relinquish your own reputation in a world that demands that you be something to someone meaningful and have no flaws and no characteristics of a person who's a human being? Mm. Which is, of course, the, fun, the, the, the foundation of the, uh, the NPC. It, it is a, maybe it's a, an unconscious conforming to what would be a more flawless version of themselves, but it is actually stripped of human characteristic instead. Yes, it has become, a, it's, it's, a, it's a perpetual child mm. who needs adult authority in the world outside of its own foundation within that it does not feel safe. It needs to hold beliefs that are inaccurate and untrue and ignorant, not in the face of opposition politically or socially, but ignorant against its own self-interest. Its unconscious self is causing itself enormous grief and pain. That's why they're getting angry. That's why they're righteous. That's why there is no um, ability to talk to anyone because everyone is attached to their stories and their beliefs according to what makes them feel safe. And in this world, there is nothing that is safe. In this world that they have created for us, there is no love in healthcare. There is no love in the financial system. There is no love in our universities. There is no love in any institution outside of corporatism that messages to people and says to them, you're one of us, we've got your back. Mm -hmm. And with a, a simple pronoun to the title of a PhD or a CEO, that can make you feel a legitimate person in this world. That's what we have allowed to happen to us 
everything that we have lost, we have forgotten who we are until now. This is a moment that is beyond all moments of time and space. It really is. When you consider what's bearing down on us with people are talking about near-death experiences, uh, phenomena, metaphysical, you're going to have people in the religious institutions that can't conceive of a world with metaphysical principles and properties. That's why AI is necessity to help narcissism become more creative in its design. And we have relinquished all of accountability for ourselves and each other by allowing, and just as one example, allowing one political party to define the reality for the poor, the marginalized, and the sick and elderly. The Christians have derelicted their responsibility by building bigger churches and gathering more people around and recruiting more people than going to the sick and the poor and healing them. That's on us for letting that happen. We can talk all day about their socialism and their bullshit bureaucracies and how it completely doesn't do anything to solve the problem, only re-enslave people. But if that's our only position, we deserve everything that we get as a result of that. Because there is no care. Everybody wants the problem to go away. And guess what? It's not. Well, John, uh, thank you so much for that. I think you hit on so much, uh, so much, and I think that the profile you just created, it goes hand-in-hand with everything that we've been trying to articulate tonight, and you took it to a new level. Um, Well, one last thing before we go, what do you think, um, in really highlighting where we are, the position that we we as as a species are in this time, this moment, the choices that are made, and the consequences of inaction or further inaction, because inaction actually led us, led us to this point as well. What is, what is the prescription for the next five years? What is the prescription for those who are awake in that 5% who are, who are of sound mind, understand what we're facing, and have to act? What is the prescription for them, do you think? Know thyself and watch thyself. And this is what I mean. You're either your brother's keeper or you're not. If you don't act like a shepherd over the sheep, the people that you care, all the people in your universe, you are the one who can forgive all of their sins. You are the only one that can do that. If you truly care and love your fellow human beings, not for the virtue of it, not for the big movement, if everybody just did this, you're going to find yourself in a cult. Be the cult of one or the cult of two. Partnership love, reparenting, self-effacing, let go of all the things that you cannot change that never were your responsibility. Guilt and shame that is toxic is the burden of all of our ancestral traumas, all of our parents, our grandparents, every ancestral family member has been alive before you till now. This is your moment to resurrect yourself by taking that cross up and fulfilling the destiny of all who came before you that never were able to get to this moment in humanity and its conscious evolution. You have a chance at changing the world. And if you disengage from all of this bullshit that they are doing to whip you up into this entire mess of a world that they have created for you in your mind, You will get lost in it, and I will tell you this for right now, from here to now, 
and next year you will see people that you never knew who would think that lost their mind or collapsed or were revealed for the frauds that they were. But the truth is, it's how you respond to that in yourself makes all the difference in the world. You are the master of your universe. You are the center of your universe. Then, And all who witness that will come to your refuge and seek care, and you will give it to them and deliver it to them, and there will be no debate. There will be no beliefs that have to be maintained that are false in order to make that true. That will come from you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the call, John. I'm, I'm so glad that you got through tonight. It's been a while since we spoke. I know we, we text off air, but I'm so glad you got through. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate you. All right. And thank you to your Absolutely. Thank you so much. This this really capped off a show that I'm I'm happy for that. Here's John Paul Rice, everybody. We'll definitely have him back sometime. I think the last time he was on the show was around Christmas time when we did a uh, we did a dive into It's a Wonderful Life. Wonderful episode. Um, 802. The band is going to be walking through the door at any moment. So I've got to read some of our super chats right now. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Julia Moretti. Says Fry X something. I uh, don't know. I don't know if that is all code over there on Rockfin. Zang Dad Your D. I don't know what any, anything. That's odd. So that's on Rockfin. Thank you so much, uh, Julia. <laughs> on quite frankly, superchat.com. Linda Love says, Did I miss the special Aurora postcard? I love the show. Yeah, yeah, we sent out all of our postcards, uh, I think, by the 30th. Those are all out. Jay Brits says, go sports ball, signed the 95%. Revolution says, hello, Francis. Very behind super chat wise. Happy belated birthday to Aurora. Congrats on 100K. Congrats to Matt's on the new gig. Can't wait to hear more about, uh, about Jay's retreat. That'll be on Friday night. Keep up the goodly goodness. Rev. Good guy, Rev. Here now, Josh says, Frank, the wise little penny cricket says we could, uh, we should start calling AICI counterfeit intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, inelegance? Counterfeit inelegance. Yeah, it's not intelligence. So counterfeit intelligence, perhaps. So I think that artificial intelligence is something that is a little bit more of an oxymoron to me. I, I can't make that work out. Uh, Mark Daga says, thanks for finding the perfect blend between politics, philosophy, spirit, science, settled and otherwise, music and mystical sprinkle. You're the only show that leaves me pondering throughout the day and um, and warmer hearted than I, when I took off my pants. Yes, well is we're getting into the time of year where taking off your pants could inspire a little bit of a chill. In the Gilded, AK said um, the guy who Bright Insight was live streaming with was Suspicious Observers. So he, okay, so then that was a conversation that actually happened with Ben. That's a guy, I, I love to have both of those guys on the show. I love Jimmy Corsetti's work. Um, every once in a while we kind of interact on on twitter but i'd i'd love to get him on he's friends with michael collins who's going to be in studio with us uh next tuesday night so i don't know the future is bright there's plenty of people we can talk to and i'm sure that we'll get that all together really really a lot of great conversations that have yet to be had
All right. Well, another one over here is from Master T. It says, happy birthday shout out to the lovely and amazing Miss Kitty. Happy birthday, Miss Kitty. And let's go over to Rumble and see what waits for us there. We have one Rumble rant right now, and that is from, where are they? Jay Semo. Says, great show, great callers. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm happy for it. Now, right now, I just got a, um, just got a text at 8.03 p.m. from the band saying they are en route. So I guess we have a couple more minutes. Let's take a couple more calls. Uh, 914-200-0269. Story time. Hot off the press, that blog is. You can go read it yourself and leave some comments below. Let everybody know what you think about the whole MPC phenomenon, what it means, what the consequences are, where, where we're heading right now, and, of course, how the 5% can do some incredible things in the face of an overwhelming tidal wave of 95%. And, I, you know, was it Albert who referred to the NPCs as the greys? That is a great thing right there, to use the greys interchangeable with grey aliens, but also the NPCs, the greys, there's something very appropriate about that because they are, in a way, alien. They are, in a way, alien. They've had a very specific part of their consciousness removed, altered, and mutated in some way. And, you know, well, then you're just you're just proving them right when they say that uh, that that the NPC meme is dehumanizing. Well, I mean, they're human, but there's just a little bit of a spark that's been altered and something that you would have to expect. You have to expect after all these years of uh, being messed with by one institution or another. Now, the whole idea about there only being a certain number of souls and that a boom in human bodies being born on the earth has created a very, very large surplus of bodies without a soul, that they're just kind of going through the motions, learning things. They are instinct. They are one thing. I, I, I don't know. I've asked that question to many people on the show before. Are there people out there who are without souls? You know, are we talking about empty vessels? Are there empty vessels on earth? Uh, especially when we start getting into the concept of laboratory births. You know, birthing human-like somethings in laboratories. What is that? All right. Uh, 914-200-0269. A couple more, and we will get on with our uh, get on with our night. Over on the Foxhole, which is quite frankly.tv, Falkalon says, I just wanted to say I turned 43 today. My back, my knees, my shoulders hurt. Love you, Frank. Oh, Falkalon, I hope you're doing well. And shout out to your back, to your knees, to your shoulders. Robert Sarns, thank you. Captain Flint says, Trump as speaker. C-SPAN would be most watched network. You're right. You're right. And I say, sign me up. Sign me up. That's great television. Sean Joe, thank you. Paulie9363 says, I meme, therefore I am, said the NPC. River Pike says, I believe we are born with certain moral beliefs. Well, I, I think that we are. You know, I've seen a lot of people talking over and over. Every once in a while, the abortion thing comes up. You know, Whoopi Goldberg was trending on Twitter yesterday. Why should my body be the jurisdiction of somebody else's religion? The idea that a child, an unborn child, who's had its own heartbeat since just days in to gestation, 
its own blood type. It's separate from the mother. We are talking about a fully separate human being. A fully separate human being that's being incubated, yes, inside of that human being's mother. We know how how nature works. But it is only somebody who's been completely demoralized that would look at that as something that is not really a human being and that looking at it as a human being is a strictly religious stance. It is not a religious stance. I know plenty, plenty of atheists that look at it in that way too. That they're, and especially if you're coming from a libertarian, uh, you know, more more individualist liberty standpoint. Uh, these, this is about bodily autonomy. That is the chief question of bodily autonomy right there. Does someone get to destroy another human life just because it is that person's, that person is the other person's mother? Is that, what is that? What kind of autonomy is that? So the whole idea of, de- uh, it comes out in everything. The NPC mindset comes out in every major discussion. That is not a religious stance, purely religious stance. Now, I think that there are just some things that we are born with, that there are just it's just a natural inclination to know this life needs to be protected, is the most vulnerable, the most precious right now, and it needs to be protected, and that there is responsibility for your actions. But the demoralization of, of society, which actually puts people into these positions where the light switch turns off and they are no longer able to be reached about even the most, even the most, you would think, fundamental of, of, uh, of questions about human life. So, yeah, that's where it goes into. Joe M. Thank you for the shades, Joe M. Dark Heart Hemi says 5% or 3%. Most people are non-combatants. Paulie 9363 says, it's happening. Pop some corn, stay safe, God bless. 123SKG, the world is a stage and we are just part of the theater. You know, as far as the whole it's, an, it's happening, pop some corn, stay safe, God bless. That's something you often see on the message boards, uh, more so on places like GLP, 4chan, that uh, I just feel it in my bones, something big is going to happen. Well, you know, there's a lot of big things that happen. There's a lot of things that are very, uh, they, they, they kind of, it's foreboding in a way. But there is a buildup towards something. And the more we feel it, the more we communicate it, and the more we say it's imminent. I mean, people have been saying that the end is nigh for the entire world, for the, you know, the second coming is coming. People have been saying that for 2,000 years now. So the real question is, you can feel something brewing in your gut. Is it just something that is unseen at the moment? And when is it seen? I, there, there's, there's so much. They are obsessed with us for a reason. There's going to have to be some definitive action to just say, that's it. The world that you remember is gone, and we have got to, uh, we've got to go in this direction for one reason or another. Uh, the, the, the resets have been set up. The resets have been promoted. All the reasons why have been published many times over. So they have told you. They have warned us. They believe that they have warned us, given us some proper, uh, proper, you know, insight into where the world needs to go, as was designed for us. It's just a matter of when, and what are we going to be able to do, as individuals and as smaller 
growing communities in the face of that change. I think that's what John Paul Rice was getting at. All right. Um, that's what we have. And I'm going to get off right here. 813. I really appreciated everything tonight for the time that we had. I think we got a little bit more out than we thought. And all the major points have been hit. You can still email me because there's going to be, I'm sure, when talks like this of such substance pop up, it's just in the air, it's in our minds, and it pops up again. There's something else. There's going to be more that's added on to everything we're talking about tonight. So I'd love to hear some more from you guys and gals. And I know that in the the days and weeks to come, this is going to be a prerequisite conversation to build on. It always happens that way over the years. Thank you for all the calls and all of the super chats. I am going to release. Hold on. Let me make sure that we. Oh, we got another one over here. On Rumble. From Jen. Jen Mool says, fantastic show and great dialogue. Thank you, Jen. And thank you for everybody over there who are taking part in all of the Rumble rants. It's like the old YouTube days over there with um, the super chats. It's right there. Good times. Stostube sends a super chat on quite frankly superchat.com. Says super chat time. Yes, I guess so. That's it. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. We have a good one. We're going to do a little bit more of a dig into history. Incredible history tomorrow night. Can't wait to have you on. Goodbye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters. Starting over on quite frankly superchat.com, Stostube, Linda Love, Jay Britz, Revolution, Here Now Josh, Mark Daga, Master T. Thank you to Jen Mool and Jay Semo over there on Rumble. To all of my wonderful friends on Foxhole, I am releasing the super chats. I'm releasing the scratching right now. Also, thank you to the very cryptic Julia Moretti. On Rockfin, I wish I knew what you were talking about, but I appreciate you nonetheless. Everybody get to QuiteFrankly.tv. Become a sponsor of the show. There is so much extra content you can get now and more coming your way. Become a sponsor, no matter how small it is. We need you to grow. There's so much more to do. Thank you, guys. Good night. I really went downhill after the World Trade Center. You know, Quasimodo predicted all this. Who did what? All these problems, the Middle East, the end of the world. Nostradamus. Quasimodo's the hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, right. Nostradamus. Nostradamus and Notre Dame. It's two different things completely. Interesting, though, to be so similar, isn't it? And I always thought, okay, hunchback in Notre Dame. You also got your quarterback and your halfback in Notre Dame. One's a fucking cathedral. Obviously, I know. I'm just saying. It's interesting, the coincidence. What? You're going to tell me you never pondered that? The back thing with Notre Dame? No.